This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. Oh. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Alright, it's been like maybe two months, I would say two months since I last hit a parlay, and I've been, you know, placing some wagers pretty often these past two months finally hit one last night um, on the Nick game finally it was like a plus 400 one too but um what's going on first and foremost everybody this is your host well I am your host RJ Carbone this is episode 289 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. I'm hanging in there um, in terms of the Knicks. Listen, this is just who they are this is just who they are they are trying to find the best way to describe it without using the generic inconsistent term I mean I guess that's just a way to say it. they're very inconsistent they are they're a team that needs a lot of work right this was expected but I think what frustrates everybody is the fact that the Knicks had such a good season last year, fourth in the East, 10 games above 500. Then they go and make these acquisitions. You expect them to be even better and look even better. And I'm not even talking about wins and losses, positioning in the East. But just watching this basketball team, it doesn't seem like it's the same team. Now that they have expectations, there's, now that there's, you know, thousands and thousands of, of crazy New Yorkers in the, packing the garden every single night, the Knicks are not the same at MSG. So they take another home loss last night. Um, and then we're also going to touch on first the little bit of the game at the uh, Barclays Center against the NJ Nets. But, um, yeah, it's they're just, this is who they are. And, unfortunately, I, I think this team is miles worse than last year's team. Um, they're not the same team defensively. We all know that. And they somehow look worse offensively, which is outstanding. That's crazy to me. Absolutely bizarre. So, we're going to touch on it, obviously. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're new to the podcast and this is your first time listening, or maybe you're watching, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're tuning into this on. Download the podcast if you want to your phone, laptop, tablet, like it, share it on social media, comment, five star rating, review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and whatever you got to do to help us grow this podcast, feel free. Um, big Suns and Warriors play tonight. Well, I know they play tonight because I've got a couple of more uh, parlays on that game. But, you know, 
Phoenix took it. They're on a run of, what is it, 17 in a row, maybe more right now. Uh, they're obviously without Booker for, what, 7 to 10 days is what I hear. But I still expect this to be a close one. The Suns are deep. The Suns play very smart, high IQ, fundamental basketball. And the Warriors, well, they're the Warriors. They've got Steph Curry. They've got Draymond Green, who looks like the Draymond that we all fell in love with or hated, no matter, you know, depending on where you stand, um, a few years back. They've got really, really solid role players on the team. They've got Andrew Wiggins now, who looks better over there. So it's going to be, I'm expecting this one to still be close, despite Devin Booker not being able to play. Was it his hamstring? I think that's the 10 o'clock game, Eastern Time. There's another game before that. It's Atlanta and Philadelphia. It's the 8 p.m. Eastern game. That's also going to be a good one. You know, I, I guess Ben Simmons just isn't going to play this year. But I mean, it's still going to be fun watching Trey Young, you know, go against shooters like Seth Curry, Tobias, and obviously you've got Joel Embiid going up against Capella. So. Joel Embiid is a monster when he's healthy and when he's focused. Capello's one of the better traditional centers in the game. So it's going to be a fun game. Got some stuff on that one too. <laughs> so let's head to our first break. When we get back from break, we'll talk about this oops, this two-game stretch that the Knicks just got done dropping to both Brooklyn and or New Jersey and Chicago. We'll be right back. Hey guys, so real briefly before we get deeper into the episode, I realized that on YouTube, only 51% of you who watch BD4 are subscribed. So we should try and change that to make my channel grow, to get the podcast even bigger. So be sure to subscribe to BD4 on YouTube if you haven't yet. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone, Instagram at Rob J Carbone. So I don't want to go over this Nets game too much, just because that's in the past. We're, we're, uh, my mind is on this, is still stuck on the Chicago loss, but trying to make it brief. Um, make sure we have it up on the screen for those of you who are on YouTube. Make sure it's all set up here for you. Um, Knicks, yeah, okay. So the Knicks lose this one. By a score of 112 to 110, that's the Knicks. Usually when these two teams play, you know, ever since the Nets, you know, overhauled the entire roster last year, it's been close competition. It's been very competitive. But usually, I think every time, to be honest with you, the Knicks have lost. And it usually comes down to a moment or two in the fourth quarter late. And you know, some officiating issues like last year, what happened with Randall continued this year. And it's been a trend lately with the Knicks. We'll get to that later in the, in the podcast, but the Knicks lose this one, one at Barclays. 
coming out of the gate, first quarter, it was pretty competitive. Um, James Harden, unfortunately, we couldn't stop him all night. He was cooking right off the bat. The Knicks, though, they were spreading the ball around evenly, getting pretty good looks. The offense looked sharp. Derrick Rose checked in for the first time in a few games. Coming back from his injury, the ankle. Late first quarter. The Knicks defense looked okay, considering it was the Nets. Then they got a bit lax. They let the Nets go on a run. It was an 11-0 run towards the end of the first. Some no-name rookie, it was Cam Thomas, gets hot. Three straight jumpers, a couple of three-point shots. And it's 33-28 Nets after one. Second quarter comes, another competitive quarter. Obi Toppin checks in, gets a few baskets on the inside. Derrick Rose starts percolating off the dribble, as Clyde would say. Uh, you got Randall distributing. He goes for 10 points, 6 rebounds in the first half, or 6 assists, sorry, in the first half. Alec Burke's playing well at point guard. 13 and 5, 5 rebounds in the first half. Um, Nerland's Noel defense wasn't great. He was You could kind of see he was getting beat off the dribble on the perimeter a few times. So Mitch checks in later. Does a nice job holding it down, but Harden keeps cooking. I think he finishes the first half with like 21 points. KD hitting it for mid-range. And it's 61-60 the Knicks. Taking the lead at halftime. A strong quarter. Third quarter comes. Here we go again. Third quarter from Doom. Third quarter from Hell. The Nets go on a gigantic 12-0 run. Just like that, the Knicks are down 16 points. And it was a disgusting sequence. Disgusting period of the game, to be honest with you. It lasted for minutes. Turnovers. Lack of focus. No intensity on the defensive side of the ball. Not running hard back in transition. Getting killed on the open floor. Thibodeau calls an early timeout. The Knicks later in the period find a groove, finally. The ball movement starts to become better. Shot selection was good, getting some good looks in, and the defense picked it up most importantly. The Knicks go on a run of their own, 16-4 run, to conclude the third quarter, entering the fourth down just four points. 88-84 Nets. Fourth quarter comes, here we go. You know, the, the, the guard play for the Knicks has been great this year, outside of Kemba. And you have Burks, IQ, hitting a couple of big shots at the top of the period. The Knicks' small ball lineup starts to operate well. Rose starts cooking. And it's back and forth for a while. You had that Randall, tough as hell finish, one on two on the other end. To give the Knicks the one point lead. Then it gets close. You've got KD hitting that tough shot. Randall gets the tech. We're headed to break. TNT had headed to break. They, they, they cut it off early, so we didn't get to see it. But he gets a tech from the bench, teed up. The Nets take the lead with a technical free throw. With under 20 seconds to go, an ice-cold Evan Fournier checks in. Finally getting some fourth-quarter action. And he hits that three-point shot off that Derrick Rose pin down. It's 110-110. You got Reggie Miller. Bitching on the telecast. That he wanted his Nets to switch there. You know, constantly. Why didn't they switch? Why didn't they switch? Basically rooting for the Nets on the telecast. Um, but here we go. The Nets, the final possession. Right? That was what everybody was left talking about. And, yeah. 
first off, it, it was it was an excellent call. It was the right call by Thibodeau to send the double at the top, right? I mean, Reggie said it himself. Kevin Durant is the greatest 1v1 scorer, if not one of the greatest of all time. So you're not putting Randall in an ISO there with Durant. So they sent the double. And then obviously the foul heard around the world. Mitchell Robinson swiping for no reason. Going at James Johnson, not up. Johnson hits the free throws and that's pretty much the game. That was on Robinson. That sequence there was on Robinson. As much as the officials had a part in this game, that was on Robinson. You have got, got to go straight up there. You've got to go straight up. It's James Johnson, for crying out loud. Most people don't even know who that is. You go straight up. You're seven feet something. This is a wing, a guard player. You can... You can live with it if somehow he miraculously hits a 12-footer over you and wins the game. There's no reason to no reason at all for Mitchell Robinson to lose his discipline there and foul him. And it was clear as day that was a foul. And Mitch played well, it sucked. Because he played well. It, it took a lot out of his game. Took the shine out of it. Because he played well. He had 8 points. 7 rebounds. 1 block. But he play, if you watch the game, he actually played really well. Defensively. As usual. He does. He hustles. There's that one excellent effort play where he was hustling on the, on the defensive side. Tipping, tipping, tipping for the rebound. And it ends up being out of bounds on the, on the nets. Because of his hustle. But he made that one poor decision. And usually, officials will let that slide late game. But Mitchell Robinson, young player, fourth year in the league, not exactly a star player. He doesn't have that respect. Unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Also, when Johnson got the ball, if you watch the film, if you watch it over... When Johnson gets the ball, you could see Randall and Rose kind of just stuck in between, kind of ball watching after the double. You got to rotate. You got to make a quick rotation there. IQ did the right thing. He hedged back onto Mills, which was smart. But you've got, you have to have at least one of Randall and Rose rotating onto Johnson there. They should have swarmed him on that elbow. just one of my observations when I watch that replay again. Um, but the refereeing was not good. You had Randall complaining about the whistles after the game too. Telling, telling the media that, you know, basically snitching on the officials. Saying that he doesn't get the calls because he's too big and too strong. This is something that LeBron has dealt with over his career. We've heard that narrative with him, Shaq who had something to say after the game about it Carmelo, he had his issues not getting whistles down low grinded on the offensive glass, getting hammered hacked, nothing so I understand it Randall's a big dude, 6'9 260, whatever the hell he is I get it KD was getting away with some with some fouls. He had Harden ten free throws. Durant had nine. The Knicks as a as a team had twelve. But you can't lose your composure there, and, and then let it bother you, even after the forty eight minutes are over. Other than that, it, it was frustrating because other than that, he played a very very strong game. Twenty four points. Nine rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and he was 50%, 11 for 22. He was completely focused, 
on both sides of the ball for most of the game until the end there. You know, he was going downhill, attacking on the inside, kicking it out to the perimeter when the defenses collapsed, finding those cutters. He played well with Alec Burks at the point guard spot. It was just at the end there. He missed some more clutch baskets. He lost his composure, and that was it. This was also a game where R.J. Barrett left ill. He was pulled early. Now, before he was pulled for the injury, I think he was yanked in the first qu quarter, pulled from the first unit. I was thinking about it. I'm like, that could be a positive indicator that they're pulling him earlier in the first so he can get some more run with the second unit early second quarter. It's just something to keep an eye on. He doesn't usually get pulled that early. This was before he left with the illness. So when he gets back, I want to see if Thibodeau's finally getting the notice that R.J. Barrett should be running with the second unit more. Which is something we've been beating forever. Obi Toppin had 8 points, 3 from 4, and he gets just 12 minutes. He worked well when he was in there with Julius Randle. He, you know, he's been so consistent all year. Plays with any lineup he can, and he does well. We've, it, it's as simple as we have got to find more minutes for Obi Toppin. He's playing significantly better than last season, but he's only averaging four more minutes per game. <laughs> even even the second game, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to his playing time, but it's just like playing over someone like Noel, who's been not that great this year. Noel's defense hasn't impressed me this season. No, he's playing injured a lot. He can't rebound. He had just three rebounds in this one. His offense is useless. It sucks. He's still got the stone hands. Doesn't give you that energy like Obi Toppin does. Does And yet, they pay him all this money, and they're sitting Obi Toppin for the other 36 minutes. Don't get it. Burks, 25 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, a block, 4 for 10 from 3. He did a great job at point. I wanted that win for him so bad. His first game at point over Kemba. He played really good. He had some moments where he was a little erratic, a little more shooting than, than we would have liked, but I thought he played well and his defense continues to be solid. He was, you know, he provides that switchability. Provides switchability on the perimeter in the pick and roll. Imagine Kemba being switched on to Harden and Durant that game, it doesn't go to the wire like it did. It doesn't go down to the, the very end. That's a, that's a blowout from start to finish. Um, Evan Fournier, another one of the uh, starters in this game, he was pretty trash. 13 points, 12 shots. You gotta give him credit for the for the shot late in the game. Again, came off the bench high school, but he's just I'm so sick of that guy. Already. <laughs> Paying this guy this much money to be a catch and shoot guy who's not great defensively and just very inconsistent. So thank you for the clutch shot, but we need more. We need more and more often from Fournier. <laughs> Needs to step up. I need at least 16, 17 points per game at least from this guy. I mean, that's what we're paying him for. We're paying him to score. Guy doesn't even play fourth quarters, man. Lucky we've got Rose like you and Burks, like I said. Without those three guards holding it down, oof, it's worse than it is. So he's got to step up before he ends up on the bench with Kemba. What a shit show that'd be for the press. <laughs> Talk about politics. And that was the next game. 
That was the Nets loss. Let's talk about the Chicago game. Because it was something else. We'll get to it. Let's set to break. And then uh, upon return, we'll get right into the Chicago Bulls loss. <laughs> Be right back. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankee. This was this was another barn burner, is what they say, right? Barn burner. Barn burner. Can't say that two times fast. Um, Knicks lose one nineteen one fifteen at the Garden. Listen, it, from the way this game started, okay, from the way things looked at the start. Hold on one sec. We're getting the lag. Are we good? Testing. Hmm. Just looked like it was going to be a shit show. So, why are we... See, we're lagging again. Hold on. I'm trying to fix this shit. Alright, well, we're going to ride with this. And whatever happens, happens. It's not like people tune into this. And it is a podcast, so... <sighs> I don't know. Alright, so we got cut off for a few minutes there. And my tablet crashed, so I actually took a few hours. <laughs> but we're back, and we're talking about the second half. I'm sorry, the second game of this, uh, that the Knicks played this week. This past week, Thursday night. They took a loss to Chicago. And, um, you know, it was a barn burner in the end, right? 119-115, it was a close game at Madison Square Garden. They, they gave it their fight. But the problem is it always seems to be one nightmarish quarter or a half sometimes. That dismantles the Knicks. And that's what we got again. So. They take the 119-115 loss. And a big reason for that loss. Was their. Horrendous first quarter. The Knicks came out in the first term. Horrible. Over dribbling. Dumb decision making. Causing a lot of turnovers. And the Bulls, obviously, they have a ton of athletic wings. So those turnovers the Knicks had kept leading to, you guessed it, transition buckets for the other team. So Chicago kept getting out on the break. And the Knicks, with no energy, weren't really hustling back on the other end. And that led to very poor interior defense. Slam dunks, spin moves, just a lot of digging in their bag was Chicago. On the other end, in the half court, Chicago had great ball movement. Quick enough to where a Knicks team who was clearly not just one, but two steps slow, couldn't keep up with it defensively. Late on their rotations, they weren't closing out quick enough. The three-point shot started to drop for Chicago. And they continued to get to the rim with those athletic moves. And then you take into account, short the, the, you know, the egregious... Terrible, horrific officiating in that first quarter. 
The Knicks totally losing their composure, though. Right? There were some poor, sensitive calls. And from what I heard, there these were some veteran referees. But Taj Gibson gets ejected. For something stupid. But, again, you're Taj Gibson. You know how short the Knicks are at the moment. Right? They're already down Noel. They're already down Sims at the five spot. They're already down a good wing defender in RJ Barrett. You have got to keep your composure. So he gets ejected. Mike Breen. Breen is even getting pissed off on the telecast. The garden was roaring. I mean, to a point where I wouldn't have been surprised if, you know, fans started leaving the seats and coming onto the floor. I mean, it was it was hostile. You could see how heated it was in the building. It clearly became the Knicks versus the referees. And that, that's a sign to me of a mentally weak team. That's a very mentally weak team. Last season, the Knicks took it out on the court and played great defense the next day. Or the next quarter. It doesn't seem like that with this team. Now, they did go on a run. The second quarter was better. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right? The Knicks started getting out and running more. Randall scored nine points in the period. He was getting to the rim. Alec Burks was getting to the free throw line. The referees started to ease up. I think we took 11 free throws in the second quarter alone. But, you know... There was still no ground made up. As Chicago kept going offensively, it was 32-32 in the second quarter. The Knicks were down 18 points at the break. It was just a first half to forget. Um, Kevin Knox made an appearance. So that, that tells you all about the way we looked. You know, Thibodeau put Kevin Knox in there, who made his first three-pointer of the season. Grimes got some run. Now, the remainder of this game, you know, the, the energy was much better. The second half energy in that coming out of the break for the Knicks was fantastic. They had an outstanding third quarter to all of our surprise. You know, this game could have easily been over given how, you know, sluggish they usually come out of these third quarters, right? But to their credit, they came out hot. The Knicks put on a show. The Garden started to erupt. In particular, it was Emmanuel Quigley, who, after a pretty out-of-sync first half, sparks them and helps lead this, uh, this comeback. First, it was a triple off of a Robinson screen. Then he assists Fournier to a triple in transition. You have Robinson making big-time plays on the defensive ends and uh, blocking leading to transition hoops. Fournier hits another triple to bring the Knicks within single digits about halfway through the third. Quickly hits another three. Bulls go full court press. He gets up court, pulls up, hits a three to make it a six-point game. And he gets another huge three-pointer, maybe the next possession, if I can remember correctly. Off of that Fournier steal where he dives on the ground, quickly drills the three-pointer. It's a three-point game. The Bulls sort of kill the momentum, hit a couple of big shots, but you got Randall and Fournier getting their two-man game going. Fournier hits another three. He was hot in the period. Randall doing a great job screening for him. And so, you know, Fournier, he played well. 16 points. Took 10 three-pointers. Some of them were a little iffy, but he, he made four. Played great transition defense. He had four steals. He was diving on the floor. I like his effort. And his third quarter was key. His shooting. Quickly's shooting. Randall's play. It, you know, energy. Again. It was through the roof. The building was rocking. Shots were falling. Guys were making hustle plays. The garden was rocking. And it's always with the second unit. 
right? Obi Toppin, he was looking great. He he was looking good in some post up. He backed he backed a few defenders down tonight last night. Fourth quarter was was pretty tight. It was back and forth again. Uh, then you had Alec Burks hitting that big shot in the fourth. He hits the triple right in Lonzo Ball's mouth. That ties the game. And then if you want to fast forward a bit later, that's, yeah, it's where it happens. The Knicks fold when their guy chokes again. Let's let's be honest, Julius Randle choked. Randle choked. He misses two big free throws. And then there was the turnover. The Bulls get big buckets from Levine, DeRozan, Derrick Rose takes and misses that contested three. Chicago seals the deal. Let's go over it. Because I got some things I want to say. First, we're going to head to break. Stay with us. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first... I also want to let you know, I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount, $7.99 a month get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomberbacher blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomberbacher blog. And there you have it. All right. Yeah. Listen. I'll start with the good because Randall, I criticize him a lot. And um, it wouldn't be fair to just go right into ripping him. Because he did have a good game. All right, he scores 30 points. And he shoots 67%. 14 for 21. Didn't take a single three. So he kept... He, he goes 30 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks. Right, he, he kept punishing down low. Right, Mixing it up with the mid-range, the post-up, some paint touches. Just dominating Vucevic, who can't guard him. And distributing the ball. Distributing the ball. He was doing what we want him to do. He was playing so well. He even had eight points in the fourth quarter. 
hit a couple of clutch baskets in the final six minutes. Okay, so he had... He was really good for them. But again, as the guy, as the money maker now, as the, the, the number one option on this team, and he'll tell you himself, he's got to be better at the end there. Julius Randle is the prime definition of a give-and-take player. Those guys, those types of players, are usually not the greatest number one options. Clears throat. Carmelo Anthony clears throat. And Randall is unfortunately that guy right now. He is a number three option most likely on any contending team. And this Knicks team is going to go wherever Julius Randall takes them. And that's that's very unfortunate. Right, he was having a good fourth quarter. He hits the baseline fader. The end one on Vucevic. And then it goes downhill from there. He misses the free throw. Later gets to the line again. Misses the first free throw there. Then later, one of the final possessions for the possessions for the Knicks. Julius is running down the court with the ball like a freight train, and you just see it coming. Everyone in their right mind knew it was coming. They saw the turnover coming. Most of us are just getting a little tired of this point forward shit. I'm over it. I'm completely over it. I tried to say I can handle it. I'll live with it. At this point, man, I want a point guard. I want to be over with this point forward experiment. He's got to cut it out. Thibodeau's got to hold him accountable. He had seven turnovers, dude. He goes two for five from the stripe, and he's got seven turnovers. But that last one, I mean, he just got... How many times do we see him get lazy in the post, lose focus? Someone pokes it from behind, or he just coughs it up? Running into Caruso. That was totally unacceptable. He had four guards. Four other guards were on the floor surrounding Randall. He could have given the ball to to take that up court. Four. Thibodeau wants super small. Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Alec Burks, Evan Fournier. He had four other guards to hand the ball up to. Off to. No, he still thinks he's LeBron James. And apparently Thibodeau does too. So I get it. And Randall, you know, he had some nice defensive possessions late in the game. But he also got away with some horrible ones. Some horrible rotations. You know, there was that one possession where Vucevic was on the left wing. And he misses a wide open three. Randall forgets to hedge back onto him. But it was mainly, like I said, it's mainly this point forward, point guard shit that he tries to do too much. It'd be nice to see him completely cut that shit out. It'd be so nice to. But boy, do we need a point guard. <laughs> a legitimate one. I'm tired of seeing this guy do it. It's gotta, it's gotta end. Gotta get him screen and rolling more often. Get him more paint touches from the pinch post. Just get him out of that role. When he's in the half court, keep him in the half court. Let the point guard run up court. When he's in the half court, run him some offensive sets. I just don't understand why we see Thibodeau. He barks at guys like Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett, Derek Rose even sometimes because he's got the relationship with him. But it's, it's you know, quickly he'll bark at him. Never Randall. Never, it's it's to me that's not good coaching in that aspect. That you know that part of it is 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 a poor job by Thibodeau. Doesn't hold the guy accountable. Fizdale never did. Thibodeau, you would think he would. And our offensive scheme is total bullshit. You know we we just let Randall do this ISO ball so freely. 
He just lets him do what he wants. It's their their offense is Randall. That's the system. There is no system. The system is Randall. Julius Randall is their system. It's but it's like can we mix in some ball screens to these ISOs like other teams are doing? You know, set him up, set him up for shit's sake, man. Run some sets. We got to get going. We have to have an identity on offense. Remember those few games not long ago where Kemba Walker and Julius Randle were working really well in pick and roll? Randle had a few cuts to the rim, scoring off the ball. He looked great, very efficient. It'd be nice to have a point guard do that consistently. And Burks has played well so far. But I'm talking about a true floor general, which we just don't have right now on this roster. In my opinion, Derrick Rose is probably best to do that role. But how often can he do it? He's old. He wears down when he starts to approach 30 minutes. We need somebody. He's not a number one. He's not a number one. I say it again and again and again. We need a real closer. A bad, we badly need a closer. And obviously Julius Randle is not a closer. He continuously shows us that time and time again. He showed us his true colors in the playoffs. Right? Good player, not a great player. All-star, not a superstar. He's not a number one. He's not. And he'll never be a number one. We need a closer. We need a, an identity Who's our guy? And Alec Burks, you know, he's the, the the fourth quarter guy, but I'm talking about a closer, star player closer. You know what I mean? We need a number one option. We need a point guard. Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard, they were talking about trading him since last year, since the last couple of years. They're talking about it on ESPN today. I'm thinking about it, but like the Knicks don't have the assets. They, they have, they'd have to include a boatload of picks and probably have to say goodbye to you know some some top players Barrett Robinson include I don't even know if they can make that package but yeah this Randall thing man it, it's 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 gotta go plus he's just he continues to bitch to the officials and it lets it he lets it affect the rest of his game lately it's been bad he's just acting like a baby about it man up go out there stop sulking Play defense, quit with the poor body language, and go be a mean big man. Stop complaining, play basketball. Go hoop. You want to bitch about not getting foul calls? Make your foul shots. Because you could, this isn't just a one time. You, he, Randall continuously especially the last month or so, misses these clutch free throws. And he continuously, since we've had him, turns the ball over in the worst of moments. This is a this is a trend. This isn't something new. We know this about Randall. He's not just not clutch. He's pretty poor in the clutch. He's not a closer. He's not a superstar. But the way he plays, the way Thibodeau lets him do what he wants, it fucking seems like he is. And I'm sick and tired of it now. I don't like cursing. I never usually curse anymore. But I'm getting to a point where I can't take it anymore with this with this whole Randall is all thing. It frustrates the hell out of me. Get this guy off the ball. Done. Speaking of defense. Um, a couple minutes ago. Robinson had a tough one last night. Obviously, he played that huge... He played a huge role in that comeback. Third quarter. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had five blocks on the night. He was great in the third. He had some really good moments in this game. But, man, did he struggle in pick and pop with Vucevic. And I'm sure scheme played a role, Right. The Knicks, a lot of the times, were playing the percentages. Tip said, I'm dropping off on some screens. And, you know, he, he at times he 
just kind of got caught in between. You know, he had to, he struggled defending the rim parts of the night. And just, it doesn't, he, he, he had to help a lot. He had, he'd do a lot of helping. And, you know, when he did, nobody would rotate back over to, to Vucevic. And it just, it doesn't seem like he has that mobility this year to get back out and recover on the perimeter, which he showed he could do in previous seasons. This season, it seems like that extra weight that he put on is making him a little bit slower on his closeouts. And it's not exactly muscle either that he put on. It's it's difficult, right? You have to guard that trio. It's a tough... It's a tough um, offensive team to defend the Bulls. But it did hurt seeing him as slow as he was on his rotations, just simply not getting out quick enough on the perimeter. Wide open threes, countless amounts of times throughout the game. He was lucky that Lonzo Ball was missing some wide open shots once again. What, eight points? He continues to struggle against New York. But, and I'm sure, you know, what else played a role was that Randall, uh, Randall Robinson was, was pretty gassed. You could see he was just completely fatigued by the end of the night. But I think to help him out more, when we play teams with these athletic guards who can put the ball on the floor, keep playing him in lineups with Obi Toppin because Obi helps us defensively when he's with Robinson because he's able to rotate. But... Yeah, it was tough for, for Robinson last night. He was certainly winded. He had to do a lot. It's not easy to, to defend a pick and roll, pick and pop. But it was tough for him. Obi Toppin had eight points, four rebounds, two steals, four for six. 19 minutes. We've got to find the man more minutes. That is simply it. And I'm tired of saying that. Three. Three. Of our big men were out of the game. Three of them. And Mitchell Robinson was clearly, like I said, gassed. Still can't find the man more than 20 minutes. We still can't find him time. That was the perfect game. But instead, we go with this four-guard closing lineup. It's just mind-boggling. It's like, how, what do you not see? Every time Toppin is on the floor this year, the Knicks play well. They have such an energy. And even if he's not this long-term piece, get him out there to showcase him so he can help us you know, get this package deal for Damian Lillard like I've been asking for. But seriously, showcase him. you got to get him on the floor for some reason. It's just, you're wasting him. You're wasting... It's not good for the team. It's not good for his development. He's playing so well this year. But like I said, he's getting, what, four more minutes per game despite doubling his production pretty much in a lot of areas? It's inexcusable how he doesn't play as much as he is. Or as much as he should. Overall, man, the Knicks were learned another lesson in this. They were taught another lesson. You can't take any halves or quarters off even when you play these top-notch teams. And Chicago's the top-notch team in the East. I'm telling you right now, they might win the East. They might get to the East Finals. But you can't take you can't take breaks. You can't get lax at any moments. And the Knicks, you know, their, their defense is clearly not the same this year. I mean, you had DeRozan for 34 points. Levine and Vucevic had 27 apiece. Everybody else had eight points or less. But DeRozan was just walking into mid He was walking into mid-range buckets. Levine, too, with ease. Just pulling up smooth, easy jumpers and yelling them. Contested, uncontested, they were falling. But we still needed to be smarter, in my opinion, with the way we defended that uh, those two guys. We can't go 1v1 with those guys as much as we did. The help has to get there sooner. We had Alec Burks, at least in the first half, he was dropping off on DeRozan. Tightened up on him in half two, but 
We couldn't handle that pick and roll game. We couldn't handle the pick and pop. Nothing, man. They were just getting to the rack on us with their speed. They were using their, you know, jump shooting ability to kill us in mid-range. Killing us in transition. That's what kills me, man. Because we, we need to see it from our guys more. Thibodeau refuses to play the youth as much as he does. And then he has the, the balls to say, we need to do better in transition sometimes in these in these interviews. Well, play your younger athletic bench more. They push the pace. They could compete with that. With the Levines and the DeRozans of the world. DeRozan was going off. Levine was going off. Play your second unit more. You'd be surprised with how much points we could score on the open floor. Also, Caruso is, is something else, man. That's the kind of player I like. That's the kind of player that will really help you win, but it's not always on the stat sheet. That glue guy, that Swiss Army knife type of player. I mean, he only had four points last night, but he was one of the more effective players on the floor. He was a plus 21 to lead the game. Six boards, six assists, four steals. He's just a pesky defender. And he'll, occasion, he'll occasionally hit a shot offensively. I mean, he's like Prigioni, but miles better. Remember Pablo Prigioni? 2012-13 Knicks. That was my dude. But, I mean, that, that's it, man. Th th this season is a frustrating one. It's a very frustrating season for me just because we're so inconsistent. And we have these moments where it looks like, wow, we can compete with anybody. Then we have these moments, you know, whether that be game to game or quarter to quarter, where we look like we are a team headed for a lottery pick. So, the ebbs and flows continue. The star player continues to underachieve and, and be inconsistent. The supporting cast isn't very supportive right now. We're just way too erratic. Guys aren't putting it together at once. And, unfortunately, I think this is the way it's going to go for a long while. Unless we make a big trade. Or, or you know, a few trades. A few decent trades or one big trade. We need a couple of shakeups to, to you know, get some new blood on this roster because if they don't do that they're going to be a 500 team the entire year and that might not be enough for the playoffs it might not be so that is that's my take let's head to break one last time when we get back we'll get to the MYY MYK question of the day Hey guys, so real briefly, before we get deeper into the episode, I realized that on YouTube, only 51% of you who watch BD4 are subscribed. So we should try and change that to make my channel grow, to get the podcast even bigger. So be sure to subscribe to BD4 on YouTube if you haven't yet. So... Last time out in episode 288, our NYY NYK question of the day, it was a true or false question. I asked you, true or false, Tim Hardaway Jr. ranks top 10 in Knicks history for three-pointers made. And the answer to that question is true. I think he's seventh, but it was true. But this episode, our NYY NYK question of the day brought to you by Anchor. For episode 289, how many players from the 1953-1954 Knicks went on to become pro or college coaches? Alright, how many players from the 1953-54 Knicks went on to become pro or college coaches? Let me know the answer via DM or comment section when I publish the podcast on YouTube or on my social media Instagram and Facebook alright or wherever you can comment any platform let me know the answer and I'll give you a shout out if you're right alright guys that's all I've got episode 289 of the podcast I'm your host RJ Carbone and I'll see you next time alright alright ciao
This episode was brought to you by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. It's podcasting made easy. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to begin your own podcast. Thank you.